Welcome, welcome. We are back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm David Lappin. I am joined by poker player and I want to say self-appointed Ryanair spokesperson, Dara O'Kearney. Dara, welcome. Thank you, David. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to have a bad Ryanair word uh, during the, the lockdown, but they, they acutely reminded me of it on the way to and from Nottingham, actually. Uh, on the way over, they insisted my bag had to uh, go in the hold and I had to pay extra for it, even though it was perfectly the right size but I wasn't going to argue and get bumped off my flight and on the way back I bought priority so that that problem wouldn't arise but all that meant was I got to stand on the runway looking at the plane for 25 minutes in the middle of the recent storm um so and I wasn't really dressed well for that so yeah thanks for that Ryanair um this it's also worth saying this is a bit earlier than I'm used to being up but I was going to be up early anyway Uh, I went to get my vaccinations because um well you know we uh we have an Aussie guest this week, and you know Aussies are a bit dodgy. It's important to be fully vaccinated before you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the well, vaccine we <laughs> Joining us this week, as Dara's alluded to, there is poker player, actress, businesswoman, talent at the WPT, and my maybe cousin, Lynn Gilmartin. Lynn, welcome. It's so good to be back. Thank you. Lynn, I'm not going to dwell on the actually reasonably strong possibility that we are related because I think I did a little bit too much of that the last time you were on and feedback from that were things like, Dave, that was a little creepy or poor Lynn doesn't need to hear about the awful possibility that you and her share a great grandparent. Uh, both of those were Dara's feedback, by the way. Um, what I will dwell on, however, is that moniker, talent, uh, Phil Helmet, Tony Jones, Fitz Van Patten. That's all pretty good company in the talent category, but Matt Savage, do you feel like his presence undermines it for the rest of you? <laughs> oh, come on. I love Savage. <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's a very talented man. He's very talented. We all have our zones of genius and, and everyone knows that Savage is. He makes sure he reminds us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, speaking of Matt, uh, I want to talk about the WPT and we had Matt on the main show a few weeks ago and he said that FOMO would play a big role in getting uh, an extra thousand or so needed buy-ins into the prize pool for what is a 40 million guarantee in the World Championships this year. What else do you think is going to get bums on seats in the win in December? I mean, the event sells itself. The FOMO he's speaking of was... Every, anyone who missed this event last year suffered extraordinary FOMO, maybe the biggest I've ever. Uh, everyone who was there just, like, I have never seen anything like it where for the entire three weeks or more, every single poker player had a smile on their face. Every time I sat down at a table, everyone is commenting, this is amazing. This is the greatest event I've ever been to. Everyone was so happy and 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 so satisfied so surprised it was just a constant like constantly just up in the ante every day there was like something else and there was something else there was just so many bells and whistles around um just the expected quality that win delivers anyway um everyone who anyone who plays at win knows that that is just an exceptional place to play so you go there with a really high bar and then the world championships and everything that was that was it just really blew all of us, me included, all of us away. So um, that in itself will make sure that everyone who was there last year, I truly believe, will return. And then anyone who missed it, I, they'd be crazy to miss it again. Well, I, I'm far too polite to accuse you of a, a sick brag, but it, it did seem like you're trying to allude to the fact there that you finished 91st place in that tournament for, <laughs> I think it was 37K. So you got to hang around and see a lot of people over a lot of days, more than Dara or I combined, I believe. Um, it was a very exciting deep run and we were all obviously on your rail. Can you tell us a little bit about that run? Thank you so much. That was like, I, I still don't even have words for it. I just, I was as shocked as the poker world was that I was going so deep. Um, you know, I, to play in this event, it was the largest buy-in that I, you know, attend, I've never played in a $10,000 uh, championship event before um, to simply bag day one was just my goal, you know, just so that I could feel what that would feel like. Um, and then to bag day two and then day three, it was, I just would, I was just, I felt like I was in a dream. Um, and and given that, you know, we had had like a couple of weeks of just this, this 
unbelievable experience at Win for all the other side events and everything else that was going on for the World Championships. I was already on cloud nine just from what was happening at Win. Uh, full stop, and then to just be able to enter and play this event, but then to then have that deep run, I just it just the whole thing felt like a dream, um, and you know I just there was I was really surprising myself. I'm not a professional, and 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 I feel like everyone knows that. Um, but then to be able to play on a stream and really step out of my comfort zone um, and not fall into the trap of you know doubting myself and trying to prove myself to be something. And, you know, I know I'm going to make mistakes and I just allowed myself to make them and stay present in every hand I was playing in. And it was just a really, really good uh, learning experience. It was a priceless learning experience. And to have that feeling um, to to actually be staring at a clock, seeing $4.1 million as a, a prize that was within reach was out of this world. Um, and given that I am, you know, there at the, at the tables with so many players during these moments, you know, and I have been for for more than a decade, to now be on the other side and to like feel what it feels like to be eliminated that deep and um, also to be going that deep, uh, you know, that was really important for, for my role, which is usually on the other side of, of the, the felt. Was it also a way to dodge real work over those few days? Is that sort of how <laughs> Not at all. I would, the work does not finish. <laughs> so I was doing my updates. I was doing all kinds of, if anything, it was actually inspiring to, to work, inspiring me to work more because I had so much to talk about uh, from my own personal journey. So I was just, yeah, I was ecstatic. And, and you know what? I also couldn't believe too, when I would bag and I'd go back to the hotel room, then Bodhi, my son, who was only one and a half at the time, uh, then I'm on mum duty and I was walking the hallways uh, of the Wynn Hotel, getting him to go to sleep at night and doing my thing and then getting up in the morning and then going and playing. I'm like, yes, this is what a poker champion can look like. A mom <laughs> with a baby upstairs, you know, like that would that would have been amazing to 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 win and, and have that um, attached to it, you know. I know, it was a fabulous run. Dara, GGWSOP have just announced a... Quite generous, to be fair, promotion where players who attend their festival in the Bahamas can earn themselves a bit of a bonus. I think if they record their 10th cash, but they have to cash in both venues, they get 5K. If they get third final table, but again, has to be crossbow venues, uh, they get 25K. And if they get two bracelets or more crossbow venues, it's 100K. On hearing this, I immediately tweeted that... You know, it was a very good promotion for everyone, actually, because the players that now go to the Bahamas will have a shot at that bonus. But also the players that play the WPT won't have to contend with perhaps 100, maybe 200 of the best players around. Obviously, it's a very tempting one for players who are in contention for that bonus. The one obvious effect is that those who are tempted are probably massively weighted towards the better players, right? Um, I assume... I assume so. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I, I actually missed the tweet. You 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 brought it to my attention, and I don't know how many players it would it would even be a factor for. You'd obviously have to have cashed a lot of times at the WSOP in Vegas to have any realistic shot of of, of putting this off. On the other hand, if you'd if you'd already cashed, you know, nine times at the WSOP, which I'm sure a lot of players did, then you only need one cash in the Bahamas to, to lock up that five grand. So it's, it, it's worked quite a lot for you. Um, I immediately went back and counted the many times I had cash. I cashed seven. So chance of cashing three in a much shorter festival seems more remote. Um, it was, it's not that enticing to me, but certainly to, to players on eight or nine, I think it'll make a difference or, you know, players who are already past the 10, but they do, there is this proviso that they also have to cash in the Bahamas to get that extra five grand. Um, yeah, it's a very good promotion. I think GGR, I think initially maybe there was a little bit of overconfidence about how uh, it was going to go for them. And now they kind of realize that, you know, almost everybody you speak to, <laughs> Either Prague if they're European or 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 the win in Vegas, so they that they they have a real problem now, and they have been pulling out all the stops on the client too, running lots of satellites, uh, essentially converting other tournaments into satellites by um, adding packages, and you know they picked up, they've kind of ramped up their advertising as well. Just before we uh, I came on, I saw um, a clip from 
Alex Bota is, uh, you know, she, she's going to be there as well. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely a good promotion. Um, I mean, I mean, it's money added, which is always um, welcome as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That just the fact that any promotion that adds money that's not from price pools into the mix, that's marketing money or whatever from the site, is just money that's out there for players to get. And, and I suppose it, what I think about now when I look at this December, you mentioned. Prague there obviously we're going to the win and can't wait for that and then some players will go to the WSOP I'm sure as well it just strikes me as this sort of boom period now uh, Lynn when you're looking at this December month you know every poker player you know must be going to one of these festivals if not somehow trying to you know traverse the globe to get to more than one of them and maybe manage to sort of attend both do you feel like this is sort of almost rivaling the summer now for you know, peak time in poker and how do WPT feel, I suppose, uh, in the short term about these almost poachy little promotions that we're seeing? I didn't actually see this promotion, so this uh, is news to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly had that energy walking around the hallways of Wynn uh, last year where it felt like I was seeing almost every poker player that I knew, that kind of feeling that you get in the summer. So it was sort of like that uh, summer camp catch up um, in the winter. Uh, it, it certainly had that feeling and, and something that's so large and so grand with so much money. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And now that we're seeing so many huge events um, all around the world and now, you know, in, in the States, um, yeah, it, it, this is exciting. And that was the feedback last year. Like this was feeling like, you know, 2009 again, you know, I was feeling like yeah. uh, a huge poker boom. There were just was, there was glamour and extravagance around and, and, you know, there was money invested in the game rather than just trying to slip a tournament by, like, you know, sort of just to get to get it going. But there was just extra, there was so much extra happening and um, it's great to see. It's great to see that that's happening all over. It's It's great for the players. Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful time to be a poker player. I have to say, we obviously uh, were all there through the, the the first boom, if you like, or at least caught that boom in 06, 07, if you're Jarrow or I, um, for a few years. But then, you know, there was certainly a, a drier period, shall we say. So it's great to have the good times back again. You mentioned there uh, your deep run, obviously, in the WPT World Championship last year. Can you also tell us about the WPT Australia? We had Irishman Dylan Keogh in the last show, actually. Uh, he lives in Australia and he played this festival. I know he had a really good time, had a deep run as well. Um, and he talked about, I suppose, how great that festival was, but also how dried up the poker scene in Australia has been over the last few years. Obviously, there's a lot of regulations and, and you know COVID and different things that are the reasons for that. How do you feel about poker in Australia and will the WPT be having more events there? Clearly, there's a really desperately craving market for it. Yes, there's been a lot of hunger for poker to return. Uh, we didn't see it for a few years with all of the, the limitations with uh, during COVID. Um, but now that it's back, uh, it's, you know, the numbers just keep speaking for themselves. Every event that we've had here in Australia just keeps getting larger and larger. And uh, yeah, we are going to have two more events next year here in Australia. Um, the Star Gold Coast is just, which is where um, the player you're referring to would have played. It is amazing. It, it's it's just this Vegas-style casino on an Aussie beach. It's sort of like merging these two fantastic worlds uh, together. So you get, you know, the, the quality of, uh, of the service when it comes to the game and then when you're off the felt, you can walk down, you know, down to the beach and and have a great Aussie experience. So, um, yeah, it's it, we just every time we've had an event, it's we've had four or five of them now, and they've all just been fantastic. Absolutely. Well, sticking with WPT for for one more moment. Uh, last year at the win, there was the WPT Ladies Championship as well, which drew a field of I think five hundred seventy eight women. I think the price was like 550, 560k. Uh, former guests Cathy Lieber and Jamie Kerstetter made that final table, but uh, Lena New ultimately came away with the over 100k first prize. 
This year, WPT Ladies Championship, I think, is scheduled for the 6th through 8th of December, and it has a quarter million guarantee. Also on December 8th, right before the Ladies Championship final table, Jamie's hosting the Ladies Mimosa Mug. Um, <laughs> I stopped by this rather degenerate affair last year. I'm not sure if it was called a Mimosa Mug, but there was certainly a lot of mimosas last year as well. Um, in, in fact, I think Jamie, as I recall, had uh, wrote me into carrying some of the goodie bags down to the poker room. Uh, I would have thought that the early hour of the day would make the drinking aspect fairly low key, but it, it certainly was not. Um, Lynn, what do you anticipate for these two events this year? They are so much fun. Uh, and the recent Mimosa meetup game that we had, the start time was yeah 9 a.m. And I yeah. got there at 8 a.m. Uh, and there were already, I think, five tables going. It's like, I was like, hang on a minute, am I late? I thought it was an hour early. So uh, everyone was just so eager to get there, get their seat and play. And um, yes, the mimosas were flowing. And why on earth would they not, David? You know, like it, it was just, it, it was so much fun. Um, and and that it's just, it's ladies events are fantastic in that way. The, the energy is just so uplifting and, and, and high spirited. And then especially when, it's promoted to be a meetup game with a few mimosas to really let your hair down and have a fantastic time. Well, you don't have to tell a lady twice to do that to, to do so. So um, definitely worth setting your alarm clock early. 9am I know is very, very early in the poker world. You two are complaining about your 11am, 12pm podcast right now <laughs> for this Australian time zone. <laughs> Well, well, to add to the uh, the point about the amount of drink that was drunk at that thing last year, I remember Jamie panicking at one point because they obviously want to be very civilized and drink their mimosas out of champagne glasses as one does. But actually, I think they were drinking out of pint glasses and shot glasses by the end because they ran out of uh, yes. you know posh champagne flutes very quickly, actually, and they were just using whatever was left. Um, That's anyway, right. Anyway. Actually, I was quite grateful when that happened and they changed to the uh, to the other glasses because they were much less easy. It was to wear far too easy to to drop um, or to knock over the champagne glass. So I much prefer the sturdier wide base. <laughs> well, Dara, before the WPT, which we're going to, we've got the Unibet Open in Bucharest, La Forge. On the last lock-in, we announced Gary Clark as the winner of our Chip Race Bad Beat competition. So he will be joining us with over 100 qualifiers, hundreds of locals and hundreds more players who will make the trip to the Romanian capital. Dara, this stop was a fixture on the Unibet schedule, I think 2016, 2017, 2018, until we then switched it up in 2019 and went to Sinaya, the ski resort. Uh, that was a very cool stop, but I will admit, I do personally prefer the idea of re returning to Bucharest. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree very much. So, I mean, Bucharest was the first place we went to when we started talking to Unibet, and we were we were blown away by the hotel, by the city, uh, by the warmth of the people as well, and actually by the food as well. I was really surprised how good Romanian food is. Um, it's mm. up there with the best, uh, despite the fact that it maybe doesn't get the same sort of hype as French cuisine or or Italian food. So, yeah, definitely very happy to go back to Bucharest. It's 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 in keeping with this idea now that we basically have a second peak time um, for live poker. Uh, in sort of early late, late November early December seems to be a new peak time we're, we're even seeing that here in Ireland like when we started playing there was two big events every year in Ireland the Irish Open uh, always on Easter and then the Winter Festival which was usually around now now the Winter Festival unfortunately died but we've just had the first ever Irish Poker Festival which is the biggest buy-in main event we've had in a decade here in Ireland and it was a massive success for Fintan Gavin um I, my my piece on uh, on it uh, just went up on on VSO today. So there's definitely it definitely feels like now as far as live poker goes, it's almost there's a two season thing. Uh, we built to a peak in the summer, obviously for the WSOP and everything else that goes on in Vegas, and then we built to another peak, um, essentially based around the WP. T Championship in Vegas, but it's 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 actually become sort of global now, where you're seeing more and more big tournaments being uh, done in winter. Yeah, speaking of Finton Gavin, I, I don't know if I can do uh, a, a release here. It's probably going to end up being a legal app, and I'll probably get myself in trouble for this one. But I know that they're either going up in the next couple of days. Maybe by the time this is out, they might just about be up. Uh, satellites for the IPT, that's Finton's tour, the Irish Poker Tour. But it's it's going away sort of trip. They're going to have a London stop in Aspers, I know, in, I think it's February, Dara. You could probably tell me more. But the satellites, package satellites are going up for that very soon. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Fintan always has something going on the go. You know, even before then, he has the big festival in Galway, which is always the kickoff to the Irish calendar. And mm. it was noticeable talking to a lot of the, particularly UK visitors, how much they were looking forward to that already. So I think that'll be a huge success. And then immediately after that, the next big thing will be the uh, IPT London in Aspers. Um, and as you said, satellites for that will be starting soon, maybe already by the time this comes out. Well, I mentioned there how I have a preference for Bucharest. Now, that isn't to say I didn't enjoy Sinai and the ski resort. It was a little bit different. It was a little bit special. Fair play to Natalie uh, Subaku Peru for putting that one on. It was it, it was a really like creative sort of event to to host. But I do remember getting into an argument with the ambassador coordinator of the day on that trip as. Uh, we used to do this thing where we invited a lot of esports, e gamer, influencer types uh, who were all obviously younger and up for silly, goofy things that you know influencers like to do for their fans and their videos and whatever. And one of those things was a snowball fight on the top of a mountain. And I had to explain quite firmly, I remember, uh, on your behalf, Dara, that you were an esteemed member of the uh, poker community and you were also wearing formal shoes and had not brought anything appropriate for a snowball fight on a mountain. Too. Nonetheless, you were game enough to go up the ski lift. Pose for what I remember was a fake photograph making it look like you were throwing snowballs before you then headed straight back down the mountain again. Yeah, I, I was hideously unprepared for for, for what was supposed <laughs> to be skiing. So, to, I brought literally no ski clothes, nothing warm to wear, and just my normal shoes, um, which very little traction uh, on a mountain. <laughs> I have to say, um, it's it's a bit of a miracle I didn't I didn't just fall down the mountain rather than walk down it in the end. But uh, yeah, thank you for uh, for interceding on my behalf and making sure I didn't have to stand around for an hour and a half um, being filmed throwing snowballs. It was a it was a quick one and done. Yeah, people don't understand how much uh, part of my role is uh, Dara travel agent, Dara wrangler, Dara general buffer. Is that what you would we'd say? Let's 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 limit it at that because maybe maybe there's worse things I don't want to reveal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I guess just kind of general do it all guy. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, quickly moving on, Lynn, you're a world traveler. Have you been to Bucharest? I have not. <laughs> You're putting uh, on quite going. the cell, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bugrass and not Sonia would be my advice. Um, well, look, a reminder, guys, that the Unibet Open Bugrass is from November 29th to December 3rd in the JW Marriott in Bucharest. There will be an 1100 main event, a 2200 high roller, a probably the real main event, let's be honest, a $550 chip race mystery bounty. Um, a 3.30 opener ladies event and lots of other nightly turbos. It's a jam-packed schedule. Moving on now to, I suppose, an important topic that is very much in the news today. Um, this week is actually Safer Gambling Week in the UK and Ireland. This initiative first started in 2017 to promote safer gambling tools and messaging and to stimulate healthy conversations, I suppose, around gambling-related issues and the support available to vulnerable gamblers. Um, two years ago, on this general subject, Unibet's parent company, Kindred, rolled out a series of plans to reduce the revenue derived from players, you know, who are deemed high risk uh, problem gamblers, if you like, to zero percent. At the time, they measured that stat at 4.3 percent. By the end of last year, it was down to 3.3 percent, I know. And over the first three quarters of this year, it's at 3.1 percent, showing how difficult this you know, objective really is. Um, it's it's decent progress, obviously, but not as far as they would have wanted to go at the outset, I'm sure. One of the ways that the customer can play their part in a week such as this is setting limits. Uh, during the 2022 Safer Gambling Week campaign, 200,000 accounts across the UK and Ireland actually set deposit limits, 60% of which were doing it for the first time. And in the UK specifically, I know, because I've had a lot of customers uh, asking me about this one, uh, a lot of people sliding into your DMs as well, Dara, I know. There are no more stringent KYC rules on the sites, which I understand has led to some frustration for customers who have had to fill out more paperwork. But overall, I would like to emphasize that this is a really good thing, both because it's an anti-money laundering measure, but it's also a way to ensure that people are playing within their means, which is very important. While poker is obviously different from betting on other things where you're against the house or bookie who have an edge, 
The game does still draw in players who treat it as a form of gambling. So our section of the industry should treat gambling addiction seriously. And I suppose the week that's in it, maybe talk openly on the subject. Dara, gambling stimulates the brain's reward system. I suppose it can in, in the same way that drugs or alcohol can, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually watched a, a documentary uh, on Paul Merson, the, the former Arsenal footballer last night, who, of course, is a problem gambler. He said he, he lost seven million down the years playing wow. gambling to the point that he doesn't even own a house now. He, he lives in rented accommodation and his wife essentially gives him pocket money. Um, so he has no access to their finances. That's the way it's gone for him. And he, he painted a very stark picture of just how horrible uh, a disease it is. Um, he he also had addiction issues around um, alcohol and cocaine, but he said for him, gambling was by far the worst because it's in you all the time. That's the way he described it. You don't have to put anything in your body to trigger it. It's there all the time. Um, you know, with with drinks, uh, with uh, drink or alcohol uh, or, or indeed drugs, you have to actually take it. So if you can avoid taking it, there's no problem. But it's that impulse is always there with the problem gambling. Um, so. It, I think poker is a little bit unfortunate because, you know, problem gamblers typically don't, uh, you know, they, they want a quick fix. So, you know, stuff like sports betting, in fact, pretty much any other form of gambling is much more likely to be uh, um, their 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 gambling drug of choice, if, uh, for want of a better phrase. But but nevertheless, you know, you do see problem gamblers in, in, in poker for sure, and the sites have to do what they can. Um, I think the biggest issue... Uh, around a lot of this stuff and I, I remember somebody who worked in the industry telling me this years ago that sort of the dirty secret of um, the gambling industry is that while the problem gamblers make up a small number percentage wise they make up a huge part of the bottom line of these companies. They contribute massively to profit and companies will have, have an incentive to push as far as they can to try and trigger these people. And some of the ads very deliberately trigger or at least seem to trigger um, problem gamblers to act in a certain way, which uh, which would be their natural impulse anyway. So I think the regulation should be around trying to control that as well. Um, rather than just uh, you know stuff like deposit limits, etc., etc., or more draconian measures that you see in some countries. Well, then there are many who would say that the gambling industry only pays lip service to this issue, and actually, you know, that dirty little secret that Dara referred to, um, you know, it, it, it is certainly something that I suppose almost creates a disincentive that if you're the company that don't. Um, or, or if you're the company, there's a better way of putting it. If you're the company that do your best to not take money from those people, well, they're probably just going to go to another company. So unless it's sort of coordinated in some way or it, it's sort of um, codified in some sort of regulation, it, it, it doesn't have the same impact. The other opinion expressed, however, I want to give both sides if, if you like, is that restrictions put upon players is a form of nanny statism. And I suppose you're in Australia where maybe that's been taken to a ridiculous degree, some would argue. Um, and even though obviously problem gambling has bad outcomes, Dara mentioned Paul Merson there, and I'm sure there's thousands of others like it. Um, some would say it's worse to curtail the freedoms of people. Um, essentially, it's the, you know, you should be allowed to make bad choices argument. Where are you on this issue? Gosh, it's so it's so hard, and this is why I could never run for politics. I mean, human beings are so complicated. Uh, there is no one uh, perfect, even just with parenting, for example, right? Now that I'm a mom, I'm so aware of this. Like, there is no one solution for uh, all people, and it's just ultimately the best thing that we have to do and the only, the thing that we can really control is our own backyard. Um, and so what I really like about what you were sharing with um, this, this particular week that's happening over there is that the importance is the, the conversations. And that's a huge thing um, in poker. For example, we, you know, our, our coaches and our support groups are very amongst our peers and um, even just in life, whether whether you're having problems in in any realm of life, the more that we normalise the difficult conversations and we have them more that might typically be seen as an awkward conversation and something to bring up, the more that we do have them, the more we normalise them and the less awkward they feel when we can bring them up if you do spot something in a, in a loved one um, or a friend. Uh, and, yeah, we just have to be taking care of, 
you know, our family, our friends, ourselves ultimately, and and looking at our behaviors, looking at what is what's driving me, what's going on here. And if we all have that ability to be able to do that, well then ultimately um we'll be in a much better place. Well said. Um I want to talk now about the thing that I guess as everyone kind of excited this week on Twitter, it's the new poker after dark game of gold. Uh, it's produced by Gigi Poker. I know this one will elicit some major eye rolls from Dara, who I'm guessing did not watch it. Uh, reality TV, I'm guessing, not your cup of tea. Uh, but I really hope you did, Lynn, so that I'm not flying solo on this. Um, hosted by Ali Najad, Game of Gold is a 16-player poker game show filmed, I guess, in the style of those Korean reality TV shows with the gazillion cameras and fancy sets and it's got a high concept and players are mic'd up at all times. So, you know, there's maximum coverage and if anyone says anything, they, they can use it and, that, you know, it sort of helps inform the narrative. At the time of recording, there have been two episodes, but I know there's a third one about to drop and, you know, these are going to come out three a week, apparently, um, on YouTube. The players went on not knowing the overall format, which is interesting in itself. But what they do know at this point in the show is that they're in four teams of four and they'll play four turbo sit and goes against one another. And they, the teams accumulate, the players accumulate points, but the teams accumulate points too. And the least amount of points team will be eliminated. Those four people will be booted off, I suppose, after the fourth or fifth episode. I tuned into both episodes and so far I do like what I see. The highlights for me is the use of the green room where the other three players on each team rail and critique the lines taken by their teammates. It means that there's no need for a commentator and those parts have a goggle box vibe, which is very revealing of character. Uh, I think that's really strong. A lot of people commented how slick the editing is. I actually think... That's an area where it could be a lot better. I occasionally thought the way it was cut was a little disjointing. Um, and I thought that the season two, cli- or sorry, the episode two cliffhanger didn't leave us on a particularly gripping moment. So I, I don't know if there's a few tweaks to be made out. But overall, I have to say it was really enjoyable and I'll certainly tune into more. Lynn, have you seen these? I just saw the first episode and um, yeah, you summed it up perfectly. It has that goggle box vibe. I really enjoyed the team element that's added to a game that isn't typically played as a team. Um, And what I really liked too, which I thought was cool, was how the teams didn't necessarily know each other for this first round. Um, So they're watching their their teammate play, not really knowing anything about that that, um, team member's game. And so that was that was cool to watch the surprise and the uh and the 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 truth behind the the almost commentary, but yet at the same time they're they're invested in it. So uh, the stakes are there for them too while they're commentating on it. That was that was cool. Yeah, the other big surprise for me, uh, which I didn't realise, is that Maria Ho swears a lot in real life. <laughs> She's such a polished performer. I suppose we're so used to her on all the commentating shows where she doesn't drop the F-bomb. I think she dropped about 12 <laughs> F-bombs in the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. But uh, okay, Tara, I'm going to hit you with a more general question. I'm sure you'll be relieved. Um, putting to one side live streams, uh, WSOP obviously make a great show. WPT have been making great shows for years, but they've both been doing their thing for quite a long time. Um, what we haven't seen in term, is sort of in terms of new concepts, uh, package poker TV all but vanished uh, post Black Friday. So this year we are seeing. You know, a return maybe to this kind of thing, which is good. We see Game of Gold. We see Poker Stars are bringing back the big game, which we know will feature Nikki Limo and Lily Newhouse as the loose cannons. That's actually a show format I really enjoyed back in the day. Um, our former guest, Kevin Martin, who is a contestant on Game of Gold, tweeted this week, um, Poker is a great in a great spot right now. Wave of fresh content and TV shows, insane events and tournaments for players, smart and motivated companies investing more than ever. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I guess I do. At least in recent terms, in terms of as far as Kevin can remember, back as Kevin remember. Obviously, we remember pre-Black Friday when 
uh, poker was pretty much plastered all over TV, not just not just in the States, but even even here in Ireland, where the Irish Open used to be covered, for example. Um, first of all, I want to say that like I, I have nothing against reality TV and sh- in, in reality TV in general. I do watch quite a lot of it in other areas, just not in poker. Um, you know, I I do consume quite a lot of poker content, but there's so much out there, and my natural um, it, my natural pr- preference when I'm looking at poker is for stuff that's strategically interesting and i don't think this fits that category um you know so i do watch a lot of twitch streams um and i watch a lot of live streams as well uh when very good players are playing and there, and, and and there's so much of that content out there um but you know this has the ability to to pull in people from, from you know who are not like me which is also a good thing as well i think Really, it it, it it feels to me that the big thing which has happened in the last few years is the success of the Hustler live stream. And they very much took a reality TV approach where they sort of gave a narrative to the, the, the characters. They chose characters that, that would be quite polarizing. Um, they sensationalized the whole thing. And they built, they essentially built a story around uh, their cash game and were massively successful. Like their stream was watched by 100x what 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 other streams of similar stakes we're getting? So I, I think maybe Gigi have looked at that and thought, well, that's that that's definitely a way we can get more people in. I'm not sure this is it. To be honest, this just feels a little bit staged. And the thing about something like Hustler is that yeah, while they're while they're imposing narratives, there still is that sort of suspense of what's actually going to happen in the poker. And you know that 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 is the appeal not just to poker but of all sport in general you just never know what's going to happen it's 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 unscripted um unpredictable drama um but you know fair play to gd for trying something new um certainly lots of people are talking about it uh i was in nottingham last week barry carter picked me up from the airport it was the first thing he brought up albeit he did say you, you couldn't pay me enough money to watch that thing maybe barry will change his mind as well um it'll, it'll depend i think on the characters and just how you know, as you said, the, the format probably does need some tweaks. How good they are, um, otherwise it might be. You know, we we're we're old enough to remember all of the big flops as well, things that were supposed to be absolutely massive at the time, and then just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, I suppose one thing we've often seen with reality TV shows is that like the first season of them does very well, and then it immediately starts getting less and less viewers. Big Brother kind of springs to mind on that front. Lynn. WPT have obviously been very innovative themselves down the years. WPT Global in recent years, I think it was during COVID, um, made that very cool 32-person heads-up hybrid poker championship in which, as I recall, Ivy beat Antonius. That was sort of the dream final for you guys uh, in the end. At the upcoming World Championship, I mentioned there Jamie's meetup games. There's going to be high stakes cash games, I know, being streamed while the tournaments are going on. And we've actually spoken to Brad and Andrew. That will be on a future show, actually, about their meetup game and various things that they're into right now. Historically, two WPT pioneered the, let's say, kind of poker crossover with the celebrity world. Is there anything in the pipeline you can tell us about that or is there always because we, we also spoke to Adam Pliska again that will be on a future show and he sort of mentioned the tie-in with a almost like Hollywood sensibility at times as well so I'm always interested to know if you know if anyone can kind of pull in big names big crossover names famous celebrities it's probably you guys for shows of this nature uh, right well I mean for the world champs there are a lot of you know, extra things that are going to be going on. Like last year, we had lots of little surprises that uh, were dotted throughout the festival. Um, so a lot one. that I tell, can't... Tell us a surprise. <laughs> make, some, make some headlines. <laughs> well, but, I mean, a, a major star-studded uh, big, you know, highlight uh, will be the million-dollar buy-in uh big one for one drop that's obviously going to attract not necessarily your hollywood stars but just huge huge personalities and 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 um that star wow factor a million dollar buy in um and we'll be making the tv show out of that um we also have a daniel arsham we have a partnership with daniel arsham who designed our extraordinary new trophies that were um launched last year and so we'll have a daniel arsham um celebrity charity event uh, that we'll be televising with him, but I cannot confirm who will be attending. 
that's yeah, still you, to be and confirm revealed. it but could you suggest it or maybe give i don't know um <laughs> first name of somebody who might who might be who might not be but might be i'll uh, be there okay vince van patten will be there um you know him already <laughs> <laughs> okay nice you're try you're playing it well. Maybe we needed a few mimosas before this interview. To, right. To, to you should have got me at 9 a.m., not 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. I want to talk finally about poker books. Um, alongside all this excellent video content we're talking about, it's great to see that the book has not lost its relevance, uh, quite the contrary. In fact, um, there are a plethora of poker books sort of either coming out right now or in the pipeline or sort of being teased if you want to say that um our friend and former guest alex o'brien is currently on a book tour for the truth detective she's launched it in london i think she was in the hippodrome and she went to vegas for another book launch i believe she might be going to dublin in the near future which we hope that would be great to see she seems to be on the radio every second day and uh all of those pieces seem to be going great and the book seems to be selling really well uh dara you wrote a glowing review of this book mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy and I read the book. Obviously, Alex is a friend of mine, but I didn't really let that affect um, my, my reaction to the book. I was I, I was absolutely blown away by the book. It's 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 an incredible book. It does a really good job of presenting to lay people the sort of poker mindset and how that can help in other areas. And I actually think that's super important um, because, you know, poker, when it makes the news in the mainstream, it tends to be for the wrong reasons. It tends to either be a cheating scandal or a scamming scandal. Um, and 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 the mainstream media jump all over that, and it can create the impression that that's all the poker world is. Um, obviously, Maria Konnikova's book a few years ago did a very good job, similarly of presenting poker in a much more positive light. And I think when you look at the main, the positive mainstream uh, coverage we've got in recent years, it has really come from those books. And I think Alex's book will, will have a similar effect. It, it also had an interesting side effect after reading the review. Uh, one of my friend one of my young friends who just started in poker in the last year and is getting hassled from his girlfriend and his family about this degenerate world he's suddenly in <laughs> that he was he he had bought the book and after reading it he's going to give it to to his girlfriend to try and explain exactly that you know poker is not the way that 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 it's often presented in the in the mainstream media and i think that's that's a really important point if we are to shake off this idea that poker is just this shady world uh, inhabited by cheaters and scammers we do need that kind of coverage um it would not it would be nice to see some of this uh you know a book like maria's or alex's also get the the tv coverage uh you know that you sometimes see these kind of popular science slash psychology books get and explain it to a to an even wider audience um what the benefits of uh of poker to, to to the way you think about life in general are um so yeah it is it is great to see the book back uh and as i said i think it's probably the most positive thing i i i suspect this has that maria's book and other books of that nature have had a bigger positive impact on the way people see poker than anything else in the last 10 years yeah i'm inclined to think you're right there um actually speaking of maria she's teased uh her new book she told an interviewer a couple of days ago i think it was poker.org that she was writing a book on cheaters now it will be interesting to see if uh, there's much poker in that one. Hopefully there won't be, Dara, or else she might undo all the good things that she did for our industry. But one was on con artistry and, of course, her more recent book, The Biggest Bluff. Lynn, I know you're an avid reader. Are you a Maria Konnikova fan? Hi. And Maria Konnikova is one of my favourite people on this planet. She's brilliant. She's just, I love the way she thinks. I love the way she writes. Uh, and she, you know, the way she's now just transformed into this professional poker player, brilliant mind and what she has done for the game. Um, as you were saying, Dara, just placing this really important positive spotlight on the game and its importance for, um, critical thinking and analyzing risk and how how the skills that we learn in the game truly apply to life. Um, she just explains it so wonderfully. So um, I very much look forward to any and all books that Maria publishes. <laughs> yeah, likewise. There is one other book I want to mention quickly. It's about to come out. It's entitled 
Beyond GTO, it's written by some lads called, um, let me check my notes, uh, Dara O'Carter and Barry Carney. Um, I believe it's about exploitative poker. Uh, Dara, can you tell us more? Yeah, we were hoping to get this out by Christmas. I'm, I'm not sure that's going to happen now. Um, the curse of the charts has struck again. Uh, we have tried to improve the charts as much as possible. Pretty much the only criticism we've ever got uh, of our books were the charts in the last one. Um, and even though functionally they worked, we have tried to make them prettier so that people uh, won't look at them and go, they look terrible. So that's taking a lot longer than we expected. So even though the book is is fully written now, um, it, I, it it probably won't be out by Christmas. Um it's definitely the the book I've enjoyed writing the most because we've had to do all these solves ourselves. And it's coming from the approach of not the way people who are playing perfectly play against each other, but what we what we observe people doing, you know, the kind of mistakes that people make. And then you program that into the solver and say, okay, well, your salute your GTO solution is they this is what they're supposed to do, but this is not what they do. You know, players players don't check raise enough as a bluff. Players um maybe continuation bet too much in certain spots, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So when you program that in, in information to the computer, the computer then comes back with a new solution, uh, which is how you can exploit a, a player who's making those mistakes. And some of the exploits are quite surprising um and 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 not really counterintuitive. But when you sort of think about them deeply, uh, they do actually make sense. They're not the kind of thing that a human would come up with necessarily. Uh, all humans think they're great at exploiting mistakes, but you know we are in certain spots and we're not in others. And there are some very surprising. Uh, I, I I've learned quite a lot um, doing the doing the research for this book, and um, I think I think readers will also be very surprised by some of the some of the stuff in the book. What we suggest doing to exploit players. Excellent stuff. I can't wait to read that one. Uh, before we go, I want to give a very quick shout out to a few friends of the Chip Race who've uh, been running well recently. Tom Hall won the Sunday Million last Sunday. Delighted for him. David Doherty won the UK IPT High Roller and then deservedly took down the UK IPT Player of the Year title. I think he had that one pretty much locked up before that result anyway. And future guest Mike Molinar won the Irish Poker Festival Dublin main event. That's the big festival Darrow was mentioning from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I also spotted that Willow Connolly took down not just the ladies event, but also the main event at the APT Wexford last week. Uh, Unibet are proud to be running satellites for the APT. That's Jason Tompkins tour, another friend of the show. Darrow, what did you reckon when you heard about Willow's double there? Yeah, well, I wasn't surprised. Obviously, Willow's been on a real run recently. She won the uh, the ladies down in um, in Killarney, and uh, she's she's definitely on a heater. It, it's always nice to see ladies win tournaments that aren't just ladies tournaments. It does sort of send the message that uh, ladies can compete in open fields as well. And we've had a couple of high profile uh, winners in Ireland recently. Obviously, Willow taking that down adds to Annette O'Carroll. Um, taking down the the chip race tournament at the IPO. Um, it's interesting that it's it's largely coming from the seniors demographic. Both Willow and Annette are seniors, and you know I've I've written about this in the past. But one of the things about the sort of gender divide in poker is that it, 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 there's an age divide as well. If you compare the number of females to males um, in the WSP, I think the overall number WSP main event is three percent. But if you compare the different demographic, the age demographics, a different picture emerges. In the twenty to twenty-five age group, men outnumber women by over a hundred to one, uh, and that 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 gap sort of narrows a bit, but remains all the way up to um, all, all the way up to the child bearing and child rearing ages. But then, as you get into the older demographics you actually start getting a little bit more parity. And by the time you get to the seniors, um, uh, men outnumber women in that age demographic by less than 10 to 1. So it's probably not surprising that we are seeing uh, a lot of the success um, in terms of women winning open tournaments coming from the older demographic as well. Also, they are particularly legendary figures in Irish poker, those two women. So, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Willow, Willow comes from uh, arguably poker's uh, Irish poker's leading family. You know, pretty much the whole family involved her. 
Uh, and Willow, it has to be said, is a much better player than her husband. Um, sorry, Eamon, but that is true. <laughs> uh, and then Annette is just, I mean, Annette is an absolute phenomenon. Uh, she's actually gotten better as she's gotten older, um, which is not the way a lot of poker players go. Um, but, you know, Annette can give any young uh, online guy a run for his money now. She plays very much in that style, the, the, the modern style, and she's done really well in recent years as a result. Yeah, she's a crusher. Actually, one final question before we go for you, Lynn. Besides plowing them with, uh, or sorry, pl- plowing, plying them with uh, mimosas, uh, what what can we do to get uh, more women into the game in the short term? Like, obviously, you know, ladies' events are sort of an entry point. The bigger issues seem to be more systemic ones, almost like uh, you know, a, a pay gap maybe still being an issue or child rearing still falling upon women a, a bit too much in the, in the, even in the modern day and that sort of meaning that women particularly of the of those ages don't really get into poker or don't have the time to play certainly poker tournaments that last days upon days mm. um i i mean yes it, it's going to take a long time and it, but in the short term oh they're just we just have to keep telling more stories hearing what you're you guys are talking about hearing that two women one open event so that's we need to hear these stories we need to highlight women who are crushing in the game to really paint the picture that that's that's why I was saying like when I was when I was going deep in the the world championship I was posting on Instagram myself with my son at midnight walking the halls of the you know I want to show like this is possible Mm. you can you can do this um and 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 you know more hats off to to the women who can do that. That that, that that's incredible. If you have just had a baby, you can still go play a tournament if you want to. You can you can make it work. Um, it is not easy, but uh, just sharing more stories that poker players can look like any person at all. Um, and and just continually helping reshape what a poker player looks like, sounds like, and is. And and I think we're all doing a very good job at that. It, it, like the TV shows that are coming out and the tournaments that are that are happening and um the World Poker Tour is always highlighting women who go deep and um just the the more that we all work together as a community, um sharing stories is just the most powerful way to eventually um help change those numbers. I do have to say though I am very proud that the world championship last year the um the championship event had i think it was 6.4 percent uh female entry so slightly higher yeah, yeah that's excellent that's a, that's a really good stat um yeah i have here in my notes the answer to that question was actually lynn gilmartin winning five million quid in december <laughs> so pretty close very close we'll give you half marks for that um, I wanted to be the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it, it remains for me to thank you, Lynn, our special guest this week. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, guys. And Darrow Kearney, thank you. Yep. Thanks, David. Thanks, Lynn.